is going on with you, Corey? Uh, not much. I'm here <sighs> just chilling, recording this yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, Sam is leaving. Bye, Sam. Bye, Sam. At the cinema. He's headed to the cinema right now. Is that what he said? Yeah. yeah he's the Cinedust. Bummer. Um, anyway, what's up, Ding Dongs? It it's was just a Talks matter of time. Podcast. I'm doing a little hula dance in my seat here. Um, actually, this is more. That's you know, more hula. More hula. And all our all our listeners can see you too. Yeah, I'm just I'm doing a hula dance perfectly. Just take my word for it. Wait for the Patreon page to launch when you will pay an extra five dollars a month to see Corey hula. Yeah, we'd be make we'd be ringing in the zero dollars. By the way, <laughs> that's his OnlyFans. Yeah. That's so true. Um, if I thought I could make a profit from it, I would try, but I feel like I would lose you money know, somehow. There's an audience out there for everything. That's true. There is. It's real. Including the Side Talks podcast where we talk about cinema. I'm Corey Kraft. That's Rachel Morgan. Let's talk about movies. Let's do it. Sidewalk home video. Sidewalk home video. Well, it's that time, that segment of the podcast, Corey. Where we're visiting a video store? I've looked at a photograph of a video store, and yes, I am still up in Stars Hollow video people. (laughs) I'm still looking at that same shelf that Rory Gilmore was looking at, zooming in on the spines and also relying a little bit on what I discovered a couple of weeks ago, which is that Wikipedia has connected that for us. Yes. Gilmore are, Girls fans are thorough. They are very thorough. What I did discover in a deeper dive, though, is that they really only captured 15 or 16. So I'm going to be adding to that list for okay. them because I feel like I can get in there with some <laughs> eyes and, and add to this. But what I was able to zoom in on is a, a little film from 1996 called Ten Cup. Oh, my God. Have you seen this thing? I have not seen Tin Cup. Uh, it's it's the pinnacle of dad cinema, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. And I haven't reached the point where I can justify that to myself. And dad I, time. I, I do love Kevin Costner, um, as I think we've talked about on this podcast Ugh. before. Okay, so I wish Sam was still here. So he, you could say, gonna, Sam, take note of the topic gonna, for a five-minute fight. That's a five-minute fight Costner. right there. That, that, All right. He's good. That scoop of vanilla ice cream I can do without. He's good. So here's the deal. Here's the synopsis for this film, Ten Cup. Are you ready? Okay. A washed-up golf pro working at a driving range tries to qualify for the U.S. Open in order to win the heart of his successful rival's girlfriend. This thing is directed by Ron Shelton. Yeah. Of course, as you mentioned, stars Kevin Costner. Rene Russo. Rene Russo. and Who's the rival? Oh, wait for it. Uh Uh-oh. The daddy of, speaking of dads, the daddy of my second wife, Dakota Johnson. So, really? AKA, yes, Don Johnson. Don Johnson circa what, 97? Yes. Uh, 96. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the tagline for this thing is absolutely terrible. Golf pro, love amateur. Ugh. Ugh, ugh is yeah, right. That's pretty obnoxious. There were a lot of ways I could go with this one. Okay. And, you know, our whole point here, by the way, on on 
sidewalk home video isn't just to scroll in and talk about a spine of a film that we've seen in a video store somewhere, fictional or otherwise, but to recommend to you whether or not we think you should see a film or not see the film. And so you should absolutely see Ten Cup. That's where we're going with no, this, right? No, that's not where we're going. Uh-oh. But I am a different direction. Okay. I usually will then pull up some facts about the film, watch a scene or two, and weigh in in that way. And I came across a reader's on Amazon.com, a reader's review, oh, I'm sorry, a viewer's review, like a you know a consumer, your average rando off the streets review of Ten Cup that I thought would we would just read this and make a decision based on it. Okay, are you ready? Yep. So here we go, random review. First of all, this is a great golf film, and I'm going to pause every time there's a period. Okay, I think that's important to note. A great golf film. The best golf film. But there is more to it than just being a golf film. It's the classic tale of a washed-up hero wanting to get the girl. Uh Uh-huh. Classic. But Kevin Costner gives this role something more. Okay, it's impossible. Wait, excuse me. Okay, it's not an Oscar-winning role, but the performance sure as heck should be. Hmm. For those who are not into golf... Just look at Mr. Costner's every move and how he delivers his lines as a drunken golf pro. Oh, he drinks. In comparison to films like Bagger Vance, Uh Halpy Gilmore, and Caddyshack. Nobody is taking any of those seriously (laughs) as examples of golf in film. In fact, one of those is explicitly a, a silly... No, two of those are silly cartoon comedies. In comparison to those films... This film was the only one that explains why we men are so hooked on this game. What? If you see this movie more than five times, the music might just start might start to get on your nerves. More than five <laughs> times. <laughs> but it's okay. It's impossible to add music to a golf film because the spirit is so timeless and silent. Wow. <laughs> so that is the rando reviewer's take on. 10 cup that is that now, is a dad review for a or, dad movie or it's like kevin costner's agent that's what <laughs> i'm trying to figure out so based on that review and golf pro love amateur are we watching this film are we recommending people watch this film i mean i want to watch it now okay so we got a yes we got a thumbs up on one end of the table I'm not and i got hurry. a th- thumbs down on the other <laughs> but like i don't know like what are the good a great golf, golf movies film. Are there good golf movies? I don't know. Is it possible to make a good golf movie? I don't know, but this one apparently helps us to all understand why men love this game. Well, first of all, this guy needs to speak for himself. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I have no interest in golf. Though I will say that, like, every once in a while, and this is the, you know, the the dad in me, um, you know, you'll catch some televised golf event and you'll be like, eh, all right, he hit that that golf ball real real, real far. Let me tell you something. I think that this is how this film was cast. Uh huh. There's a room somewhere and people are talking and one of them goes, shit, a golf film? That's, that's so fucking boring. Who can we cast that's just fucking boring, as boring oh as golf? And somebody goes, Kevin Costner? And then everybody went, yep, that's their guy. And then they all fell asleep. And they all fell asleep. Well, Ron Shelton had to 
finish his trilogy of sports movies, right? Like, didn't he do, he did Bull Durham and White Men Can't Jump right before that? And then, I guess so. I mean, Linton Cup. You're, oh, you're not well versed in no, uh, sports I'm not. cinema? I'm really not. Huh. Even though I do like some sports movies, I feel like I'm not going to like Ten Cup. I can picture, however, the cover of this VHS on my head. Yeah, me too. It's got a very vivid cover. Yeah, it's got like kind of him leaning back a little bit or just chilling with Rene Russo. Yeah. He's got his, got her hand on his like arm or something. Yeah. Like, oh, Kevin Costner, you're, uh, you play golf. I am bored. Let's wrap this one up. I'll, I'm saying no. I'm I'll, saying no. I'll put it on my watch list. Brad, if I'm saying no, and I'm assuming you didn't fall asleep halfway through this re, this man's review of 10 Cup, I'm saying no. Corey's saying yes. Do you want to be the tiebreaker on whether or not people watch 10 Cup? Mm. <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> And now, a look at what we're watching this week. Well, Corey, you know, it's been a minute since we've been together because I told right. you I had a little car wreckage. And so whatever I had in mind to talk about what I'd been watching last week has kind of gone to, to the wind. Just sure. floating out there. Uh, not gone with the wind, but floating into the wind. <laughs> so I am going to tell you that I have one thing I have watched very recently okay. actually is No Way Out. Uh, Speaking of Kevin Costner, that, that's the Kevin Costner erotic thriller with Sean Young, and it's it's what's called a erotic thriller, uh-huh. and it is a good twenty minute, maybe thirty minute erotic thriller, and after that, it's just a cat and mouse yeah. kind of thing. And I, I've watched it because, as you were aware, I'm listening to uh, Karina Longworth's podcast. You must remember this. Where she goes over the erotic thrillers of the '80s. I'm yeah. I'm very much looking forward to the '90s erotic thriller series that's uh, that's about to come out yeah uh, i don't know when that's releasing i don't know but hopefully soon because i'm done with the erotic 80s very very soon here i'm on the last episode nice so she rec- this is another one she recommended hey go watch this it's got a bit of a twist at the end and if you want to not spoil that for yourself then go watch this film before listening to the podcast so i did and i we had it on vhs so i pulled it out and i've watched it on a dusty vhs tape and i gotta tell you this is uh kevin costner this is sean young it is a bit of a different Kevin Costner. Okay. A little bit of an edgier sort of, I'm putting sexy in quotes, Kevin Costner. But certainly, you know, I, I think compared to any number of, of gentlemen that would have been in films at the time, he's probably eh, bottom of the list there. He's probably sexy as hell in this movie. No, y'all. this is no Richard Gere. Mm. This is whatever. He's in He's in dress whites for most of the film because he's a little military gentleman. Love a uniform. But I, 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 Am I, I right, ladies? Uh, I have this to say about it. Okay. It is weirder than I thought it would be, especially the first 30 and, or 40 minutes. It is so much weirder than I thought it would be, and that is a recommendation. Hmm. So, And it, it's a little bit – it starts out at least a, with a, a little bit more skeptical about DC than you would expect from a film from the late 80s, early 90s. You know, when things tended to be sort of pro, 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 military, pro government. Thanks especially to that some bitch Reagan in the White House. <clears throat> That's right. This film is way more interesting when Sean Young is on the screen. Once she's gone, I'm kind of done with this thing. And it feels a little like, oh, there's Kevin Costner running down a hallway again. Oh, he's running down another hallway. Oh, it's back and forth. Gene Hackman's on it. Well, now I've got to watch it. Yeah, I think you're going to like it way, way, way more than me. But I also think you'll see what I mean about the first 30, 40 minutes. Sure. And I, I did. I was on board for that. And then and then I just got bored. 
So I I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want to do the thing where I say now don't listen anymore because it's you know spoiler because we're that's not the that's not the purpose of our podcast sure. right but you know a lot of people probably haven't seen this one even though it was a huge blockbuster which I didn't realize even being alive at the time and very much going to films at the time I didn't realize what a blockbuster it was but it was a huge blockbuster hmm. and Karina I, I would suggest listening to Karina's podcast because. She's going to go into a lot more detail than I am, obviously, today about this film. And she also tracks Sean Young's career in a really interesting way with a very feminist lean. Yeah. And it's an interesting – it's interesting. And quite unfortunately, I think uh, once again, we've had somebody go to the dark side and Sean Young is now a Trumper. Did you know this? Yeah. But she's – you know, I I, I don't know too much about her personal life, especially in this time – um, and I'll have to listen to the podcast to get yeah. that context. I know that she was one of those women who was branded as having a quote unquote bad reputation, um, uh, was quote unquote difficult to work with. Right. And, you know, post, well, in the last five years, we've determined and, and discovered just that that's, that's probably code for, you know, a lot of kind of skeevy. Oh, it was code things. for it was code for she told Weinstein to put his dick back in his pants. It right. was gross. Right. And that, she also told jo- James Woods to get the hell off of her. Well, so somebody that, done needed to say that to James right, Woods, right? But all now they they align politically, so oh, right. Unfortunately, yeah. All the same, Sean Young is an I think an incredibly interesting force on screen. Oh, I absolutely agree. Beautiful and dynamic, yeah. and, str- and and strange. And what I did think was part of what was so odd about this film to me, and part of what I really liked about it. What and part of why I part of why Karina has focused on on this particular <clears throat> particular title out of so many she could have chosen is how quickly it becomes sexual. This film, sure, and, and that kind of goes away uh, fairly, you know, thirty minutes. And once we lose Sean Young, we lose we lose that. But it goes there very very quickly. But their their sort of chemistry um, amongst one another and and the spaces they inhabit and is all very giggly and 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 sort of fun and buzzy in this way that I thought was really unique. And it, it makes that first 30 minutes feel so much different than anything else of that era. Well, I'm going to have to check this movie out. There yeah. are a lot of reasons why this seems like it would be up yeah. my alley. The hackman of it alone is, is enough to get me to watch pretty much anything. But I agree with you on Sean Young in particular. I've always found her to be a really compelling and dynamic screen performer. I mean, obviously like she's not the headline in Blade Runner. Nobody comes away right. from Blade Runner necessarily being like Sean Young's excellent in Blade Runner, but she is excellent in Blade Blade Runner and her excellence is one of those threads that you really pick up on on repeat viewings of that movie. Yeah. So, um dynamic, I, alluring and and again, a very compellingly odd an off-kilter sort of screen presence which I've always Agreed. appreciated. Agreed. And I f- I do think You've heard – you know my take on Costner, right? Yeah. And, and I just made that clear in the last segment. I think her, somebody like Sean Young playing off Costner, though, is has this sexual energy that is really, really interesting. Yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, I recommend it even if just for the first 40 minutes. I think you can kind of play on your phone or something for a good bit of the second <laughs> half of this film. But especially in relationship to its place in the world, which Karina will pinpoint for you very well and you – you must remember this podcast. I recommend the viewing of this along with that podcast. And, you know, for folks like you, Corey, who haven't seen it. Yeah. 
Go and you're a it Costner out. fan and a Sean Young fan. Yeah, I'm recommending it. So what have you been watching? Well, I, I, I want to spotlight a couple things. I've, I've been watching a lot lately. Um, I did a an impromptu double feature of some Stanley Kubrick classics the yeah. other day. Um, I rewatched 2001 A Space Odyssey for the first time in a good long while. Um, and just, you know, what what can you say about that? I love that movie. It's It's one of the most thrillingly realized acts yeah. of screen imagination, I think, in the history of cinema. Um, just a towering uh, masterpiece on every level. And, you know, my, my thought rewatching it was why the hell haven't I watched this, you know, again and again in the past several years? Like what, what took me so long to come back to this? Did you not see when they re-released? I didn't, I yeah. couldn't make it to the cinema to, to see that. And I really wanted to, especially on the IMAX screen. Yeah. That was um, a fun, I took my students on a field trip for yeah, that. And I that was a really fun one. Couldn't make it. Yeah. That weekend, for whatever reason, and it didn't stick around. So, this is something that I've never seen on the big screen, actually, and I would love to do that one day. That'd be cool. Alabama Theater might be a good spot Ooh, for it, even yeah. though it won't be, won't have quite the projection that we. Well, I don't know. We do DC Peter in the festival, so mm, it's yeah. a thought. It's, it's an thought. interesting thought. Um, and then the the other one uh, was the film that Kubrick made right after that, a film called A Clockwork Orange. Oof. This was only my second time to see this movie. You're I watched right. it in high school. Wellness check. Um. I look, I don't really like this movie. I don't like it either. I I it's I okay. don't watch this film to tell you the truth, Corey. I don't I, watch it. I fully hadn't seen this movie in like 17 years. Okay. And so I didn't trust my dislike of it That's because I was like I was a dumb kid. There are probably layers to this that I didn't pick up on at the time. I'll give it a rewatch and, you know, with with more mature perspective and maybe this will be this will reveal itself to be the masterpiece that I've always heard it is. Sure. But what I saw, it's not even that it was transgressive or shocking because Kubrick's camera you know, as clinical and and horrifying as as its depiction of some of these uh, acts can be, it really isn't any more graphic than a lot of of stuff that I've seen fairly recently. I think by twenty twenty two standards, a Clockwork Orange is no longer as sort of shocking as I think it once was. But what instead it reveals is this very sort of like I don't know shallow satire and juvenile humor that really don't land for me. The movie is more often than not really broadly comedic in some kind of off-putting ways. And I know that off-putting is the name of the game with Kubrick, right? He's obviously playing pretty deliberately on the emotions of his audience. Um, but but it, it struck me as being more akin to Dr. Strangelove and its sort of broad silliness than a lot of other Kubrick films. I, I don't know. I you know, as singular of an experience as it is, the set design's iconic, the costumes are iconic, Malcolm McDowell in the lead role, iconic, right? And Kubrick obviously as a director is unparalleled yeah, yeah, yeah. um as as a technician. Of course. But the movie it it just hits the same note over and over and over again for its duration. And I just can't hang with it. I mean, I get it. People suck. Like the institutions of the world try to mold people into boxes, but the reality is that human beings are barbaric um, and, and savage and whatever veneer of civilization we have is very thin indeed. All right. 
well, he's hit that note before, Lord knows, in, and he would again in his later films, especially Barry Lyndon, which I think does this kind of better than A Clockwork Orange does. I, I don't know. It's just the same note over and over again with very little modulation, and it's just very kind of bleakly, nauseatingly humorous. I it just I can't hang with it. Yeah, the issue for me is a bit that it's to- uh, that it is tonal. I think it is it is that that one note of tone that's an unpleasant note. And I think it's that thing where, okay, so I can look at a beautiful picture, but a beautiful, beautiful picture of something really ugly isn't, doesn't always work. Right. It, it, it can sometimes, but it doesn't always work. And in this case, I don't think it, it does. And I, ha- I, there, look, there's a lot of people yelling at the, at the, sure, at, I, I get at it. Their speaker right now. I get it. Are their headphones or whatever? And, because this is, this is a classic. It can't be touched, whatever, whatever. It is fine. It is most, most unpleasant to watch and i take issue with some of the shit in this film and i agree with you it part of it is because it's like a an eight-year-old sort of i don't know i mean dare i i i don't know eight it's yuck yeah it's, it's like an it's like an eight-year-old freaking circle jerk well that's a I, I, I distressingly go, young I circle jerk. i wasn't gonna go there but no but i mean it is it is juvenile in its perspective in a lot of ways and and that that is intensely kind of odd coming from somebody whose films are so deeply like engineered and conceived as as kubrick's were um you know, A Clockwork Orange kind of came together pretty quickly for him, especially yeah. at that point in his career. He shot it uncharacteristically quickly for him. And I'm not saying that it bears, you know, the evidence of not being fully thought out because, I mean, quick for Kubrick is still like 10 months. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, but but I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't. Once you get over the sort of repellence of it and the shock of it, I there's just not much to it. And it's just, you know, whatever. It's empty. It's empty. It's a beautiful empty box that, you know, again, people can love it. I'd love to hear actually people explain why they love it because I've just never been on this movie's wavelength. Yeah. Um, But, you know, maybe if I rewatch it again in 17 years, it will reveal itself to be a masterpiece. I'm going to go on on record and say I'm never going to rewatch this film. It was sort of a hangout film too when I was in I think high school. That I don't understand. I know, right? I I mean it's it yeah, but think about look, it was the 80s. And so guess what else is the hangout film? Fucking Faces of Death. I mean yeah, people would throw okay. that I shit get on. I get it from that perspective, and sure. And it was always it was always some like dude, you know, yeah. that was, had made a water bong. This fucked yeah. up shit. He like lived in his parents' basement and made a water bong in the in the bathtub. And was like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't need it. Sure, you're antisocial. Great, whatever. I don't know. Um, Kubrick, great filmmaker, but just goes to show that just because you're a great filmmaker doesn't mean that we have to individually, personally <laughs> love every film that you make. I also don't like Full Metal Jacket, but that one I am going to revisit soon because that one I think I might. I wonder if you're going to change your. I tune might change about my that. tune on that. That's another it's one that a I have seen. Little, it's a brutal son of a bitch. So I think. Those films are good examples of why of of for me it can be really difficult to watch Kubrick really sure. really difficult in certain instances and I and both of those I'm not going to argue that Full Metal Jacket is, is I'm not going to about its value or whether or not it's a great film but it's not pleasant to watch yeah. it is really really horrifying film yeah yeah 
and I just want to shout out real quick um, the new Lena Dunham film, Catherine Called Birdie, um, which is on Amazon Prime Video. She's been very prolific. Yeah, this is her second film this year. And doesn't um, she have another one then? Uh, well, this is Sharp Stick and then this one, and I don't know what she's got I coming I thought there next. was a, some kids, like a children's film. This or is the this children's is film. A, yeah. It had a different name then no. at one point? Okay. No. This is based on a young adult novel from okay. the early 90s. I had something incorrect in my brain. Um, it's it's a, a sort of coming-of-age story about a teenage girl living in the Middle Ages in, in 1291. Uh, and she's turning 14, and the movie has this kind of – Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette style, sort of punkish, anachronistic quality to it. You have some sort of uh, some anachronistic needle drops on the the soundtrack to to give it more of a modern flair, along with some more modern and inclusive um, plot lines. But yeah. basically, it's the story of a young girl who's um, becoming a woman, and her father is increasingly threatening to marry her off and she wants to maintain her independence. Uh, and the young girl's played by Bella Ramsey, who game of Thrones fans will recognize from the last couple seasons of that show. She's really excellent. The supporting cast is excellent. And it's probably the, the my favorite Lena Dunham thing. Oh, um, okay. it's, it's a really well crafted movie, a longtime passion project for hers. Um, as far as I understand it. So, cool. so good for her. Um, cause I'm not a big fan of, of sharp stick and I didn't watch enough of girls to yeah. really form an opinion. What about tiny furniture? I never saw tiny furniture. Oh, I bet I'd probably dig that. I think you're probably going to like that a lot. Yeah. But, but Catherine called birdie really, really strong. Um, so, so check that out. Amazon prime. Well, thank you for listening to the Side Talks podcast. We're your own personal cinematic Red Box and DVD Express. Now we're talking my language. Yeah. Oh, the rental kiosk Ugh. game. I know. I've never used a DVD Express machine. And that's an Express with an X. Of course. Yeah. You wouldn't want to spell out that full no, word. No, why would you? Um, but I but I have been known to dabble uh, with Redbox from time to time. I've never touched a Redbox. Um, you know, they, they get the job done. It's, it, it'll never replace walking into a beautiful, well-appointed uh, video rental store, uh, but um, it'll do in a pinch, I suppose. Yeah. I love my no discs. Comment. I love my physical media. What can I no say? No comment. Uh, all right. Well, this this was a fruitful, we're your own personal cinematic period. Well, which one are you going to be? Are you Redbox? Uh, Redbox, I guess. All right. I, mean, we're, we're, I don't even know what DVD yeah, Express. I don't either. I've never seen this. I don't it's, th- a, it's a thing. It's out there in the wild somewhere, I guess. Well, I'll be it then. I see. I, I'm picturing just this, the dustiest, most tumbleweeded road with a with a DVD Express just sitting there, miles of nothing. Stocked with like 195 copies of the Marmaduke movie. Oh, for from sure. 2008. Oh, for sure. Well, thank you to Revelator Coffee, our sponsor. Thank you to Boutwell Studios, also our sponsor. Thank you to Marmaduke. And check us out online, SidewalkFest.com or at Sidewalk Film on social media, where you can see uh, what we're doing at the cinema. Are we showing, say, Marmaduke? I don't know. Time will tell. You'll we're have to come by and see. in the process of taking all the films that we screen and putting them in a kiosk. And you could just come and, and put a couple of dollars in and take them home because who needs to watch a movie in a cinema anyway? I mean, yeah, that's pretty bleak, but <laughs> uh, I do. Not 
Marmaduke necessarily. Stuck on Marmaduke. He's a big dog, though. Is he bigger than Clifford? I don't know. Yeah, he he's he's no, he's not. Clifford's bigger. Eh, bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.